as you take your seats, open in your scriptures to the Old Testament book of Psalms, chapter or Psalm 65. Psalm 65. I think you will agree with me that one of the most frustrating experiences in life is to have something to say and have nobody to hear it, or to have something to say and nobody's listening. I know that much too well. The frustration of a child who pulls at her mother's skirt and says, Mommy, 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 Mommy. We've all seen it. And mom just keeps talking. And the child just gets more and more frustrated. I have something to say, but you're not listening. Or maybe the frustration of a teenager who's too young to act like a child, but not old enough to be listened to. Or the frustration of the office worker who has some great ideas, but an egotistical boss who says, oh no, only my ideas count. Have you ever worked with that individual? Yeah, too many times. How about the wife whose husband is too tired or too busy? Too busy to listen. How about the preacher who watches people fight against the heaviness of sleep while he tries to preach? Anybody want to stand here with me? You know, as a young man preparing for ministry, uh, there was a particular song that often played on the radio. And I would always say, oh, I, I just pray, Lord, that would never be me. Never me. Uh, and the song is All the Lonely People. Do you remember the lyrics? There's one particular part that really bothered me. I mean, it's a sad song to begin with. All the lonely people, where do they all come from? All the lonely people, where do they all belong? And here's the part that always bothered me. Father Mackenzie, you know the rest? Father Mackenzie writing the words of a sermon that no one will hear. No one comes near. Look at him working, darning his socks in the night. When there's nobody there, what does he care? And I said, oh Lord, never let that be me. Writing a sermon that nobody will hear. You know, a friend of mine recently called me from uh, down south to say that he has been banned from both Facebook and Twitter. He has something to say, and now he can't say it. And he called to tell me to air his frustration, but unfortunately I was too busy to listen. I said, listen, i got to (laughs) go. Isn't that the aggravation of being kicked off of social media? That you feel like you have something to say, you have the right to say it, but now you're not given a means, a venue by which you can say it. Nobody's going to hear you. Well, unlike social media, the beauty of prayer is that your voice is guaranteed to be heard by God. Through prayer, your voice, your words are guaranteed to be heard by God. Now look with me. At Psalm 65. I'll begin with verse 1, but I want to lay emphasis on verses 2 and 3. Praise is due to you, O God in Zion, and to you shall vows be performed. 
O you who hear prayer, to you shall all flesh come. When iniquities prevail against me, you atone for our transgressions. Notice here, verse 2, that God hears prayers. It's a psalm of David. And he makes clear what he knows very well. But this is not just his experience. Keep in mind that as David is writing this psalm, he's doing so under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. In other words, the Holy Spirit is dictating his thoughts. I shouldn't use the word dictating. Inspiring his thoughts. Showing him what to pen, what to write down, so that these are actually the words of God, the Holy Spirit, utilizing the very experiences the very grammar, the very mind of the author, in this case, David. But these are all God's word. All of it, the plenary truth of God. Every word, verbal inspiration. And David writes that God hears our prayer. And then he says, all flesh will come to God. My friends, if the intangible prayers reaches the throne of God, you can be certain that the tangible, the physical, will also reach God. Here is one thing that every one of you who know Christ as your Lord and Savior, here is one thing that every child of God can be certain of. God hears your prayers. It's a wonderful truth. In fact, God's listening is constant. That's my first point this morning. God's listening to you, to your prayers, is constant. If you look again at verse 1, there the psalmist writes that praises are due to God and vows are, are understandable. It's understandable that somebody would make a vow to God. Why? Because God is so good to us. When we see a person who is devoted to God, we can begin to understand his devotion when we begin to understand how kind God is. If you understand the kindness of God, you understand why people are devoted to God. If you don't know God well, you'll look at people who are devoted as fanatics. Oh, that's a religious fanatic. Why? Because he, she is devoted to God. But why would anybody think he, she is a fanatic? Because that person does not know God very well. Listen, the more you know God, the more you will trust in God. And so when God's word says this, but my circumstances say that, you'll say, you know, I see what's going on here, but I'm going to trust in God. I don't know how he's going to do it. But I'm going to trust in him. And the more you know him, the easier it is to say that. It's never easy, but it becomes easier. And the more you know him, the more you know his kindness. And the more you want to be devoted to him. You see, the more you know God, the more you know his kindness, the more you know his kindness, the more eager you are to be devoted to him. The more you are devoted to him, the more others will either call you a fanatic or, boy, there's a person I would want to be like, devoted to God, one or the other. 
Which one are you, by the way? Should we take a vote? No, of course not. Well, how kind is God? How kind is God? Well, if you take a look at verse 3, verse 3 makes it very clear that though we have wronged God, severely, by the way, verse 2, he still hears our prayers. He still hears our prayers. Even when sin is gushing out of us, pouring out from the very core of our being, what does God do? He atones for our sins. He pays the price for your sins. He puts your debt on his tab. Isn't that wonderful? That's how kind he is. So that sin and even the eternal consequences of sin are all atoned for. They're covered. They're paid for. That's the kindness of God. God is so kind, my friends. Though it is undeserved, God is so kind that he is willing to hear our prayers. That's how kind he is. This very act of hearing our prayers is a witness to all of mankind of the fact that God cares for you. He hears your prayers. What can people say about God? They can say, well, God is good. Why? Because he hears your prayers. Uh, William J. notes that God's listening ear is a constant. We have no claim whatsoever on God. It's all a matter of his grace toward us. In fact, he writes, God is famous for hearing our prayers. Don't you forget it. Our understanding of God rests largely on this fact. He hears our prayers. I think you know where I'm going with this this morning, right? (laughs) He hears your prayers. Never, please, never think that God hears everybody else's prayers but yours. Never think that God's ears are tuned in to everybody else but you. Child of God, he hears your prayers. 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 25, we'll look at it later on at the Lord's table. There we read that this is the new covenant in the blood of Christ. Why does he hear our prayers? Because he's kind. And he has made a covenant with you. He has promised that he would be your God. He has promised that never will he leave you, never will he forsake you. Meaning that he will never abandon you. He will never let let go of you. He'll never disown you. He will always make himself your father. And you will always be his child. God has your back. And you have his ears. Because our God is so big, he is never overwhelmed by prayers. God is so big that no matter how much people pray, he is never overwhelmed. In fact, it's very clear in 1 Thessalonians 5, verse 17, pray without ceasing. 
You know, last week, uh, little Noah, I think he's asleep here. He came up from the nursery. A little two-year-old. Came up from the nursery and planted himself in the middle of the foyer where everybody was gathered. And I'm just watching him. And he takes in a deep breath. <sighs> and sighs. And says, well, to himself, oh, here it goes. And he starts making his way around the crowd, shaking everybody's hand, everybody patting him back in the head. And he's running around. Oh, everybody's so cute, picks him up. You know, everybody's saying the same thing. And, and, and he was like, okay, here it goes. God never sighs. God never says, okay, here it goes again. I'll try. <laughs> He's never overwhelmed by your prayers. Even though we are called to pray without ceasing, meaning that bring everything to God in prayer. Now consider all the prayers just today from around the world. All the people clamoring for God's ears. Consider then also all of yesterday's prayers and the day before. And God is not overwhelmed. Keep in mind that we are just a wee snippet of all the people that are praying to God today. Millions and millions and millions and millions and millions of people praying right now to God. Consider uh, the, the Christians in Nigeria who are being chased by Islamic herdsmen and being slaughtered. And just 60 or so died a week or so ago. Slaughtered and their homes burned down. Imagine the prayers of these people as they saw that machete come on, on, onto them. God heard those prayers. As they communed with God one last time here on this earth before they actually saw God. Consider those Chinese pastors who were incarcerated for not filing the party line consider their prayers or how about those South Americans who are embroiled in a demonstration because they didn't like the last election and now they are in jeopardy and what are they doing they are running to their God in prayer or the little girl who's getting ready to see her oncologist or the new father who's holding his little son in the air saying, thank you, Lord. God hears those prayers. Or the prayers of the student who didn't study hard enough the night before and now runs to the Lord with his pencil in hand. Or the young lady who prays and starts her day with Bible reading and prayer. What a wise way to start your day. Or how about the prayers of the worried mother? Like Augustine's mother, who prayed incessantly for him. God hears those prayers. Or the prayers of those who are lost in addiction in our major cities, in Patterson, Newark, in New York City, and here in Wantage and Vernon as well. People who are just lost in this drug addiction, and they turn to God and say, So help me, God. God hears those prayers. And they're all happy, happening simultaneously. The prayers of that teenage boy on his first date. Oh boy, is he praying. God hears those. The doctor who prays before he enters the surgical suite. The happy office worker who says, thank you, Lord. And he prays for that, in gratitude for that promotion. And then, of course, all those prayers 
of people who pray before they eat. God hears all those prayers. And then, of course, there's the prayer of Father Mackenzie. He hears that one, too. And yet, God is never overwhelmed. Never overwhelmed by the incessant amount of prayers that reach his throne all day long, all year round. In Genesis chapter 18, verse 14, the scriptures are very clear that nothing is too hard for God, including hearing and answering your prayers. Isaiah 55, 11 says, His word is never empty of power, so when he says so, what he says so, everything in creation obeys him. It's amazing, isn't it? The psalmist writes in 115.3 that God does whatever he pleases to do. And it pleases God to hear your prayers and answer your prayers. Isaiah 65 verse 24. This is a good one. Isaiah 6.5.24. It reads this way. Before they call, I will answer. While they are yet speaking, I will hear. God hears your prayers. It is constant. It's never overwhelming. And look, a third point here. God never withholds a good thing from you. He doesn't withhold a good thing from you. I know at times it doesn't feel like that, does it? And Joshua chapter 23 verse 14 says that God promises good things to us and assures us that they will come to pass. At times, you might very well wonder whether or not God has answered your prayers. You've prayed for good things. And you wonder, well, has God answered that prayer? And sometimes you conclude, no. And you wonder, could it be that God did not care? Or could it be that maybe I simply don't deserve to be blessed by God? Well, let me say that both of those understandings would be wrong. Better yet, could it be, and indeed it is, that maybe, just maybe, my idea of what is good is different than what God's understanding of good may be. My idea of what is good for me is not exactly what God knows is good for me. Vanitha Risner writes that God's definition of good things must be different than the earthly blessings I often think I need. You see, it's not that God is not willing to give you good things. It's that what you understand to be good is not God's understanding to be good. And God, in all his goodness, kindness, and wisdom, knows best. Father does know best. And he will give to you what is good, even if you don't understand that to be good. Matthew chapter 7, 11, 7, 11 reads this way. If you then, who are evil, if you who are sinful, know how to give good gifts to your children, and you do, correct? How much more will your Father who is in heaven give good things to those who ask him? How much more? Well, we can't answer that question. You know why? Because it's way beyond our understanding. We do know this. He will give us far more good. He knows how to give us good than we do, even to our own children. Christian, 
Never think that money, that health, that stuff, or a lot of stuff, big amounts of stuff, are always God's idea of what is good for you. We tend to think along those lines. God is good if he fills my bank account. God is good if he fills me with health. God is good if I have these things. Please do not measure God's goodness by what you possess. Sometimes God's goodness comes to us in the form of adversarial things. Sometimes God's goodness is packaged in trouble. Often God's goodness comes in small amounts, but it's good. Sometimes God's goodness just doesn't look good, but he is good. You see, for God not to be good to you, he would have to first deny himself. God cannot deny himself. He is the good shepherd. For him not to give to you good means that he is not a good shepherd. If he is not the good shepherd, then he is not God. And God will never stop being God. That's good news. God willingly answers our prayers is the fourth point I want to make to you this morning. His ear is constantly listening. He is never overwhelmed by our prayers. He never withholds a good thing from you. And number four, God willingly answers our prayers. There's no sense of hesitation when you pray to God. He does not sit back and say, I'm not so sure I want to answer that. Let me give that some thought. That's something I say quite often. Uh, People call and say, well, what do you think? I I don't know. You know, some people are really quick. I'm not. Let me give it some thought. Let, Let me sit on it for a while. Let me sleep on it. Let me pray about it. I'll get back to you. Not God. There is no hesitation In God, no reluctance whatsoever in answering our prayers. Isaiah chapter 41 verse 10 reads this way. Fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. At times, I do believe it is difficult to figure out whether or not God has answered our prayers. Granted, it can be difficult. Lord, is this your answer? It's not exactly what I was expecting. Lord, should I stop praying about this? Is this the way things will be? Sometimes it is difficult. But again, let me remind you, God will not deny himself without first Rather, God will not deny you without first denying himself. Which means he's not going to deny you. God has promised to care for his own. He's made a covenant with his children. And he will and he does. So so going back to Matthew chapter 7, before I read to you from verse 11, let me read to you from verse 7. A verse that is very familiar. It says, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. 
knock and the door will be open to you. In other words, pray. Pray. Well, how can I be certain that God will hear and answer my prayers? Let me make one last point this morning. How can we be certain that God will hear and answer our prayers? For that, we have to go back to Romans chapter 5, the passage we read earlier. Uh, If you don't mind, uh, jump back there. Romans chapter 5. And look at the first two verses. How can we be certain that God will answer our prayers? Well, it is God's grace that opens the doors for us to enter into God's presence, into the presence of his throne and pray. It is his grace. Now, look specifically at these two verses. Verse 1, verse 2. Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have gained access by faith into this grace in which we stand, and we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. Notice there, various truths. One is how we are justified, not by our works, but by faith. Look at verse 2. Through whom, Jesus Christ, right, through whom we have gained access by faith into this grace in which we stand. We stand in the grace of God. And it is because we are soaked in his grace, we are swimming in his grace that we have access to God in prayer. We don't deserve it. You know you don't. You know I don't. That I would have access to God? I I don't even have access to my physician. I call and say, sorry, he can't talk to you right now. Yes, but my heart, I'm sorry, you'll have to call on Tuesday. But yet I have access to God. Almighty creator, sustainer, God. How can that be? It's not because of my health insurance. It's because of my soul insurance. I have grace. I have grace. And child of God, so do you. You stand in his grace. You bask in his grace. You swim in his grace. You have access to God. Take full advantage of that access. Pray and pray often. God hears your prayers. And by the way, it is in this sense that all people will come to God. You know, going back to Psalm 65, verse 2 says that all flesh will come to him. All people, because of grace, all people will come to him. There will be no exception. It's not saying everybody will come to him. It's saying all people, whether you're Jew or Gentile, whether you're black or white or brown, it doesn't matter. All people, whether you're from Asia or South America or North America, you could be from Iceland. God will bring all people to him and all people will pray. God does not belong to one particular 
people group. There's no exception. Every part of the world will seek out God. Why? Because he is so kind that he answers prayer. The reason for his answering his prayer again is his saving grace through Jesus Christ. That grace is accessed as we place our faith in Christ. He gives to us his grace. He gives to us not only salvation, but he gives us now access to him. Access to God. You know, I think we're so used to it that it doesn't even move us anymore. It certainly doesn't move us enough. We are so accustomed to God bending down to us and reaching out to us and saying, I hear you. That It doesn't even stir us anymore. It's like the child who takes his parents for granted. So, I just saw that the other day at the pharmacy. I almost took the kid aside and said, hey, listen, this is your grandparent. Don't you ever talk to her like that again. I didn't. But I wanted to. And sometimes I think we do that to God. Well, he's going to be there anyway. I'll get to you when I get a chance. We're so used to it. My friends, his grace should stir us. Jeremiah chapter 29, verse 11 reads this way. When you stand in God's saving grace, it reads this way. Then you will come, or rather, then you will call upon me and come and pray to me and I will listen to you. You will seek me and find me. When you search for me, how? With all your heart. With all your heart. New birth, as you well know, I trust you know, means that you have placed your faith in Christ, having recognized that you are a sinner in need of forgiveness, in need of rescue. And you place your faith in Christ saying, yes, I believe that Christ is God. He is the Redeemer who died for my sins. And now I give my life to him. He makes you into a new person. He gives you new life. It begins right there. And in that saving grace, now you have access to God. For how long? Forever and ever and ever. He reconciles you to himself. He adopts you into his family. You become his child. And when you become a child of God, you also become his heir. Have you ever received an inheritance? You know, years ago, my wife and I received an inheritance by someone we never knew even existed. A relative. It was during a very crucial time in our lives. As we were young, my wife had just... Um, been diagnosed and operated for, uh, on for cancer. And the first inheritance was this, a $100,000 medical bill. After, or actually just before the surgery, an hour before the surgery, the hospital called me down and said, we know this was approved last week, but it's been changed. The insurance will not cover any of it because it's out of state. And there she was in the surgical ward at Sloan Kettering. And what was I to do? Oh, hold it. Let's not do the surgery. We can't pay for it. 
Well, the result is she had surgery. Today she's fine, as you all know. And we had a $100,000 bill. I won't tell you the full of it, but I will tell you this. We received an inheritance that covered more than the cost. After it was whittled down, we received an inheritance that sustained us by somebody we never met, never knew she was alive. It's nice to be an heir, isn't it? Those were just dollars. We, my friends, are heirs of God. Children of God. Imagine what you will receive from Him. Imagine what He has in store for you. There's no measuring. There's no counting. What God has for you. And it is all good, even if it's not what you expected or wanted. Because God is good. And he will give you of his goodness. And in due time, you will also say, oh, now I see you are good after all. In all reality, I was wondering, but now I see. Sometimes it takes a little more time, a little more experience, a little more prayer before we see, before we begin to understand the goodness of God. We pray. And let me close with this particular verse. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 16. It says this, Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy And find grace to help in the time of need. We can come to God boldly. Boldly, knowing this is my God, this is my Father, and I can pray. Let me suggest you do this. If you don't already, let me suggest these four things you should do when it comes to praying. Praying because of God's grace in you. First, first thing is this. Make time to pray. Make time to pray. It will not happen unless you make it. I believe it was Martin Luther who would say, I have a very busy day today. I better spend at least three hours in prayer. Oh, wow. Most of us would say three minutes. I got to go, Jesus. But he understood the power of prayer. He understood the importance of prayer. And I'm not suggesting to you to start with three hours. I'm not. But I'm saying go more than three minutes. And I'm saying pray. Pray. Make time to pray. Any time in the day. You choose it. But pray. Number two. Start a prayer list. And see how God answers you. I think you are going to be amazed. Put on the left side of the, of the page your prayer request. Draw a line down the middle, and there, when it happens, list how God has answered your prayers. Because you will otherwise forget. It will go unnoticed. Once you begin to write these down, and then at the end of the year, look back 
you'll say, oh, God does answer prayers. Make that list for your own good, for your own good. God doesn't need it. It's for your own good. Make that list. And know this, as you approach God in prayer, that he hears you and that he wants to hear you. He wants to hear your voice. He wants you to come and depend on him in prayer. And lastly, understand that never will he abandon you, but he will always give to you only what is good. He will give to you only what is good. Pray. Pray in his grace. Let me pray. Our Lord and our God, we thank you for the fact that you are a gracious God who allows us to approach you as your children in prayer. Thank you, Lord, that we do not come as the only people who can pray to you, but just as a part of your family. We long to be in the presence of God with the rest of the family someday. But until then, we ask, O God, that you would find us faithful in our prayerful devotion to you. Hear us, Lord, we ask, and mold us through our prayers. In your name we ask and pray, O Christ. Amen.